Do you want us to keep producing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there? If so, there's a way you can help. If you enjoy this show, please consider donating to help us pay for the cost of making it available. You can do so by using the PayPal link in the description of the podcast or on social media sites where we post it. Even a small donation would help. Thanks in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this special in-season bonus episode, host George Templeton looks at the state of the program and interviews experts about all things VCU basketball. And now, here's George. All right, folks, we are here with a special guest because we have this long break between last Friday and this Friday. And first and foremost, if you like what you hear with Bet Rams Rewind, you want to help us out, you can, there's a link to our PayPal in the description on, your, on Podbean and your other podcast platforms, and we will shout, shout you out like our good friend Chris Conway, who gave us a very nice donation this week. Chris, thank you so very much. Now, we have yet another wonderful special guest here. He played for VCU for three seasons, and in his final season started every game and it was it is part of one particularly memorable moment of VCU history that we're going to discuss with him in a moment. And for, I think it's, is it five years or is it six years now that you've been the color? Or is it longer than that? Yeah. So, I mean, I started out with Greg Burton. Um, the CAA had actually um, required every school in the CAA to start doing video streaming. And this is before anybody really knew what it was. ESPN plus wasn't a thing and it was, it was just over the internet. And, um, you know, so I think my mom and Greg's mom were the only one that watched it back in the time. So we started back in 2005 and, um, you've been a color commentator of some sort for VCU for nearly 20 years. Yeah. We started back then and then, you know, one thing led to another and then, um, you know, I was doing some halftime and post game stuff, but this is my fourth year of doing, um, with Robbie full time. And I tell you what, I love it. I love the program. And, you know, uh, like they say, I'll always be a Ram and it gives me a, gives me a way to stay involved in, in the um, athletic department. It, it, for those of you who, for, for the few of you out there who do not know who that voice is, that voice is Rodney Ashby. He is the outstanding color commentator and co-commentator with Robbie Robinson, who appeared on this podcast earlier in the season. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it because that was a lot of fun. And he's joining us here as we kind of do a State of the Rams episode, talking about where VCU sits as we have this week off as A-10 games are going on, and I'm watching them while we're doing this. But we have to talk about his career because Rodney Ashby likes to play down what he did and all this other stuff. But he started every game of the 1993-94 season for VCU. And while that season might not have been notable for its in totality – they were a decent team. They finished one game over 500. They were 5-7 and seven in the Metro. That particular VCU team did something very remarkable. They won at nationally ranked Louisville. And Rodney Ashby started that game. And to the best that you can, I just want to hear, I just want to hear a little bit about your recollections of that game, about a t- being part of a VCU team that went and beat Denny Crum and beat Louisville at Louisville, which was a big deal at the time. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was, you know, my biggest game of my career. And, um, 
you know, they were, they were undefeated and uh, ranked at the time, you know, they were in the, somewhere between 10 and 15, I think is what it was. And, um, you know, I played with some great guys, you know, Kendrick Warren came into VCU as a McDonald's all American, you know, phenomenal player, Kenny Harris, who had originally signed out of college, out of high school with university of North Carolina. And then, you know, some guys like Tyrone McCoy, who won, you know, won the Belgium league last year or the German league last year for their division as a coach, you know, so, you know, we had some great players on that team and we went there and, um, you know, things caught fire for us and we were able to get it into overtime. And then in overtime, we just kind of took over and, and put them to bed and they had some great players, you know, um, you know, Dwayne Morton and Cliff Rogier and some guys like that. And, um, you know, Louisville was one of those teams that, you know, they had four, five, six, 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 seven guys, and then, you know, a couple seven footers. And that's, they were always kind of the um, beast in the league, kind of like what VCU is in the A10 right now, right? They were always the ones that with the target on their back. And um, it was a big, big win for us. I mean, I remember coming home from the airport, you know, obviously it was before 9 11, and everybody was right there at the, you know, the gate waiting for us and um, excited that we had done that. So a huge memory. And I tell you, there's not, there's not a week or, that goes by that somebody doesn't bring up that game and it gives me great joy. And um, it, it was fun to be a part of it. Yeah, and, and also to point out the year before that VCU gave Louisville a game on their home floor in the conference championship game in the Metro ended up in the NIT. So fair amount of success during Rodney Ashby's playing career. And don't let, don't you let him convince you otherwise. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that was the, one of the first times VCU got robbed in the NCAA tournament. You know, we had beat Tulane. They, uh, the Metro sent two schools there to the NCAA t- that year, um, Tulane and Louisville. And, you know, we had beat Tulane twice that year, and we made it to the finals, and we ended up not getting in. We felt like we deserved to be in. We had a great team. You know, Sharon Mills was our center that year. He ended up getting drafted by the um, Timberwolves. We had Eugene Cassern, who dropped 26 on the on the original Dream Team. So, um, Jan Bonato, who was a French Player of the Year, we had we had some talent on that team. Um, so it was um, always a good time to play with those guys. Ah, uh, yes. So having done that, because I because when I saw that Rodney Ashby had participated in that very famous VCU win at Louisville, I had to ask him about it. And now I'm going to do something that people are probably going to roll their eyes at, but can't help it. Those doggone George Washington Colonials that VCU somehow lost to at home and somehow gave up 17-21 in the second half and somehow gave up 84 points to are getting absolutely clocked tonight at the Patriot Center. They were down 54-27 to and a half. Yes, they're missing some players because of injury, but my goodness, that loss, that loss is an eyesore and a mania with me and it won't go away. And, you know... You've made an interesting point before we started recording that I think I'd, I'd love for you to expound on. It's that that's when this team woke up because right, George, George. Look, look, look. Lay down on the couch. Lay down. <laughs> let me walk you through this, right? Yes, yeah, please. You know, please. we had given up. You know, we actually had back-to-back losses right then, yeah. and you know, we were zero and two in the league, and things were looking dim. But then, um, you know, in that post game, I remember getting on the post game, and look, it's hard to put lipstick on that pig. It was an ugly game. It was an ugly game, and um, you know, like Coach Smith said, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken. It was a bad game. We played awful, and we had a couple days off, and we were going to have to go on the road. I think it was to uh, to George Mason, actually. I think, 
And it's hard to fix all the defensive flaws and warts that we had in that game. But something clicked with that staff and with that team and the way the team came together. And we started to play a type of defense that was not seen in that first part of the season. And I think I really chalk that up to being the turning point of where we are today. You know, the the top of the league right now of the three teams ahead of us have five losses. And three of them came from VCU. So I think that we're starting to get better. Um, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think the staff would say we're there yet. But I think we're making progress and we're heading in the right trajectory. And so as you lay there on that couch and drink your um, adult beverage, um, you know, look at the scores and look, that's two more teams we're not going to have to deal with down at the bottom of the conference. It is remarkable, the, the, the turnaround at that end of the floor, because quite honestly, I'm going back through, you know, VCU by the numbers and looking at, at our defensive numbers that we had, you know, right after, in the immediate aftermath of those two games. And this team was 112th in the country, according to Ken Palm and defensive efficiency. As of right now, this minute, I just looked at it. They are 37th. I cannot remember any team having such a dramatic turnaround on either end of the floor like that. I can't remember a bad offensive team all of a sudden turning into a great offensive team. And I certainly can't remember a bad defensive team all of a sudden turning into a great defensive team. Yet that is what has happened with VCU. You know, just just from your experience at playing and having watched basketball for so long, I mean, have you ever – can you remember a turnaround as dramatic as the one that you've seen from VCU on that end of the floor? No, I don't. And, you know, a lot of it's starting with communication, I think. Um, you know, we're starting to hit our rotations a little bit better, and there's a lot of communication. We also tighten up the um, rotation just a little bit, maybe about one, one and a half guys. Michael Bell started to play a little bit better. But if you take a look at the um, – in that same Kim Palm up at the top, it's like the um, – it's, called, it's something Galaxy, I think it's called. And you mm-hmm. click on it and it talks about, you know, what the team's strength is. And in the beginning of the um, summer when we hired Coach Odom and everybody was so excited about his offense after struggling offensively a little bit in the last couple of years but having one of the top defensive teams in the country, we really thought this was going to be a shift to more of an offensive-oriented team. But right now, according to Ken Palm, Really, we're winning because of defense, and I, I agree with them. And you take a look at just our last look back just last Friday night, you know, and if you took that same Galaxy chart, you know, Dayton is far on the right-hand side, top right quadrant in offensive efficiency, I mean, one of the top efficiency offenses in the country. And to hold them to 47 points, um, now I know that they had a tough night at the at the free throw line. But you know what? They had a tough night at the free throw line. One reason or another, they did. And we were able to come out with the win. But defense won that game. We hit the shots we needed to. I mean, neither team scored. We didn't score in the last six minutes, a field goal. And I don't think they scored in the last 310 or something like that. So yeah, this was correct. a defensive battle. And, you know, that's really what has won these games for us and why we're in the top four in the league right now. The remarkable thing for me – Excuse me. The other remarkable thing I should bring up is, and and what shocked me is that I, I totally forgot just how good the bone, the second year of Bones Highland was, and that team shooting foul shots. That that was just that's the school record right now in terms of free throw percentage. 
is is 76% in 2020, 2021, Bones Highland's second year, which tells you just how amazing Bones Highland was that that was a game. He was shooting the majority of them, right? Yeah, he was shooting the majority of them, and, and they had a school record foul shooting this year, and yet they are – they are on. They are well on their way to eclipsing that now. Uh, they're in the top. You know, they were in the top ten in the country. I think in foul shooting percentage. When I looked last week, I haven't looked this week yet because that'll be tomorrow. VC by the numbers, uh, by the way, in our in our group. And I, I just, I'm stunned at how good they are at the foul line and how many games they've won at the foul line. They're currently 78 percent at the foul line, which is just that is remarkable. You, there's been a bunch of games this year that they would not have won without shooting, that they could not have won most of the last 20 years because they couldn't shoot as well as they're shooting now. No, I agree. And I think that some of these games are not like small sample sizes either. I'm talking about, you know, 15, 20, 22 shots from the free throw line. And that means something, especially when you shoot in the percentage that we are. And, you know, VCU, for as long as I've been doing, has always been a struggled a little bit from the free throw line. But not this year, and I think that it shows to a little bit, you know, of a different type of skill set, a different type of player that we're recruiting right now um, to fit Coach Odom's system is probably why we're at that, you know, where we are. The interesting thing about this team is the fact that it is it is kind of like last year, and even maybe even the last two years, it's been a different guy every night. You know, I, I I've heard the conversations, social media, radio in Richmond, other places talking about this or that player is indispensable or this player is going to have to do such and such over two or three days for this team to win this tournament. And I just don't agree with it. You know, we have, we, we want a game. We just want a game against Dayton nationally ranked where Max Shulga didn't make a basket where, you know, Joe Bamisil was three for 10 or whatever it was. You know, we've won games this year where, where Sean Bairstow's had a bunch of turnovers and struggled from the field. There isn't a set formula. It's somebody's going to bubble up and do something, and they have to. And in this, in the other case, Jason Nelson, who'd had his worst night of his career against Richmond, turns around against Dayton and makes you know three out of four from three and scores a game high, you know, team high eleven points. What a game he had! That's the strength of this team. There isn't one guy that has to do anything in 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 a you know over three days to win a tournament. It's going to be a bunch of different guys. What a luxury VCU has right now and having so many tools in their tool belt. And, you know, I think that um, with our full lineup, I think we've only lost two games with our full lineup. And that says something. And if you take a look at our average minutes to other starters' average minutes, you know, ours are lower. And I think that um, that's going to come out in the end. It shows that we have a little bit more depth. And, you know, there's still some depth that we haven't been able to get comfortable with yet. I mean, I think Fats could give us a few more minutes if we could get him a little more comfortable in the defensive end. Um, you know, Toby LaWall, look, we'd love to keep him on the court a little bit more, but he fouls as much as I did, you know. Um, so, in, But I bet you got some bad calls like he does too because he gets – Well, he gets – his, his, his muscle's game. a little tougher than mine. Back, you know, back when I played – not to get on, um, you know, talk about it, walked up hill in the snow both ways to school. But, you know, if you didn't have the ball, it was open game. I mean, freedom of movement stuff that they have now, that wasn't in. You know, this is – and, you know, the but especially this year with the defense becoming more and more difficult um, around the basket and almost every single time it's going against the defensive player. I mean, 
very rarely, I mean, I'd say 10% or less of the time, the the offense is going to, the defense is going to get that call. It's tough. And he's still learning. And remember, he's a late bloomer basketball wise, didn't get a lot of reps last year, but gosh, the minutes that he does give us are so fun to watch and exciting to watch. And, you know, he, as he learns to stay on the court a little longer, he's going to give us some more minutes too, which will give us more depth as well. And look, Christian Furman has stepped in great. Yes, he has. Um, you know, and and you know they they really team up well as that that good five guy. Well, and you, you, it's a perfect segue because one of the things I said on my last pod is that I felt like whether he whether he intended to or not, I felt like Coach Odom and the staff has sort of conceded to what the previous staff did, which is the Army approach, which is I love the Army approach. It's one of the things about Mike Rhodes I liked the best was the fact that we would play so many people and wear people down. You talked about Dayton's missed foul shoot, shots at the end of that game. That's fatigue. That's VCU making them work and throwing eight, nine, and ten guys at them and wearing them down. That's what happened to George Mason. That's why they didn't make those threes at the end of the game, even though some of them were open. Because they didn't have the lift in their jump shots to make them, and I just Coach Mooney talked about that. Coach Mooney talked about that in his post game conference. He said, "Look, I should have gone a little deeper in my bench. Mm-hmm. I think we were tired at the end, and that that cost us." So, you know, other teams in the league are seeing that, and you know, if you take a look at what Coach Grant tried to do in the first half by sitting Holmes, mm-hmm. um, you know, six minutes, which look, he's a 35, 37 minute a guy game guy. He was trying to save him for later, and, you know, fortunate for us, he didn't have the legs to knock those free throws down. Yeah, and, and that shot at the end, too, because it wasn't, it wasn't a bad shot, but he didn't quite have the right angle. He didn't quite all the way get by Toby. He had the great help defense from Barristow, but the fatigue was part of that as well, in my, in my opinion. And I think I love the fact that we're back to that, that we're back to playing nine and ten guys because I just – I feel like that that's the way this – that's the best way for this, the way we play, because we're going to we're going to throw the kitchen sink at you on the defensive end of the floor. And you need to play a lot of guys to do that. Yeah, I loved that Barristow came over and helped. I mean, I thought it was perfect to drawn up. And that was something they had talked about in their their shoot around. They call it a talk around. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love how Barristow kind of trolled the uh, team across the across the way there by saying, hey, where's the court storm? And our guys, you know, look, we've been there. We've done that. Dayton's a rival for us. And, um, you know, I'm glad we didn't storm the court. I mean, me personally, you know, I think that you don't storm the court against um, conference opponents. You know, I just think you don't you don't do it. And um, I I was glad that we didn't. But I was super excited the way the kids celebrated. I mean, the only way I would would be down for doing that is if somebody was in the top five and comes in this legal center and and VCU beats them, then then all bets are off, run onto the floor, whatever, fine. Yeah. But not there. I was so glad we didn't do that because it's like we're not a, we're not small time. And we have to play them again. Well, that too. Well, yeah, and that, of course, and, and that brings me to, to this thing. You know, one of the reasons I'm very bullish about VCU finishing higher than fourth is that they still have a game with both Richmond and Dayton, and they have the tiebreaker on Loyola of Chicago. You know, what is the feeling about finishing third, second, or even still first, you know, uh, when you when you when you talk to the guys, when you talk to the coaches, because things they haven't and not everything's fallen into place. And of course, that George Washington loss is a killer because 
the whole picture would look different if they'd have won that game. But things there, there is a there is a definite path here to to do that to to get to fourteen or fifteen wins, which is what it's going to take, I think, to get into the t- beyond where they where they're sitting now, which is fourth place. You know, what's the feeling from the team about about pulling something like that off? You know, I think that they still feel like that they have a run in them, and that that you know, winning the, the conference championship is still in our own hands, and there's a chance for us to do that. Of course, it's very difficult, and look. I'm not going to be the guy that complains about the schedule this year because for so many years we wanted a weighted schedule and play the teams in the top of the league, you know, towards the end of the year so that we can increase our chances to get an at-large bid. And so just because this year our road is a little tougher than it is for other teams, I'm okay with that. And, you know, Richmond's looking at theirs because, you know, they were picked in the bottom of the league. You know, Richmond's looking at their schedule and say, dang, I sure wish we had a couple more you know, opportunities like VCU has so that we can chase that at-large bid. And so I'm not going to be the guy that complains about our schedule. The schedule is what it is. And, you know, Coach Smart used to have a saying all the time. He goes, hey, too late to cancel. (laughs) Schedule is what it is. You know, you'd go in and talk to Coach Smart and you say, oh, man, we got a tough game tonight. How do we get this tough draw? And he goes, hey, too late to cancel. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of the mentality we have to have. Our schedule, any other year, we'd be thankful for it um, because we have a couple uncharacteristic, I'm going to call them uncharacteristic losses this year. It doesn't put us in the same type situation. But, you know, look, at the same time, we control our own destiny because we get to play two of the top um, four, three teams a, another chance, both on their home. And, and the next two games are on the road. We know what VCU's done. You know, had they held on at, at St. Bonaventure, I think we'd be talking about 13 consecutive road wins in the A-10, which would be something incredible. You know, their next two are St. Louis and UMass. St. Louis is a funny team because, yes, they're terrible, but they just scored 102 at LaSalle. They almost won at Dayton. They've beaten St. Joe's and didn't nearly beat them again this past weekend. So that's – that game is the other thing is that's a tough place to play. Yes. And every time VCU comes, it's their white out or blue out or (laughs) everybody in the arena gets 16 free pizzas. I mean, they do something every single time VCU comes to town to make sure they have the crowd in there. And there have been some phenomenal games at St. Louis between the Rams and the, and the Billikens. And so, I think that's tough. And then you come you come home and then right on the heels of that, you leave again and you go to UMass. And look, Coach Morton's um, team is better than their record this year. I think St. Louis kind of is who they, who they are, who they are. Mm-hmm. As long as we don't let the environment take over, we should be able to take care of business. But go to UMass, you know, Frank Martin's got that team playing and they're, they are a better team than their record. And going to UMass is uh, – a unique experience. It's similar to going to Olean. You know, it's just it's uh, it's not real near anything. It's just it's just a tough. It's dead. It's very sterile in there. And um, look, I I look, I'm a fan of you. I mean, actually, I'm actually doing the Richmond UMass game tomorrow night. Um, nice at at Richmond. So I I I respect Coach Martin. I you know, and having. Um, scouted them a little bit to do this game, they're better than their record. And so you oh. cannot sleep on them. I'm telling you right now, you can't sleep on them. They've got a couple players that can put up some numbers. And so these next two games will be will be telling. And it seems like we say that every single night, doesn't it, George? You know, like 
oh man, here comes Dayton. Oh, here comes, you know, like, you know, every game is a big game right now. And we want it that way. That's why you come to VCU. You want to play in big games, you come to VCU. Final thought before we get to the other thing that we want to discuss. This team has been through so many ups and downs. Does it does it feel like that there's almost a relief that they've gone through all these things, the difficult losses, the yes, this guy's eligible, no, he's not. Yes, this guy's going to play, no, he's not because he's injured. And all the other things that have gone on, does it feel like that they can almost take a breath and say, okay, we've got everybody and we don't have to worry about any of these outside stuff. We can just, we've got our guys, we can just play. And it's, and it's sort of, they've, they've gone through all the distractions and now it's just basketball as we get to the end of the season. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I think that these guys think they're still better and there's more juice left in that orange. And I feel good about that. And look, Coach Odom's still putting his system in on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, when we lost that second loss, we simplified some things defensively in order to get to where we are today. But now we're starting to ramp things back up a little bit. And you saw it against Holmes the other night, how we were um, switching or not switching or doubling in certain – strategically doubling and mm-hmm. um, making those rotations a little shorter to get back to close out on the phenomenon. I mean, they had, they had the top three-pointer, three-point percentage maker in the country – and you know, I said maker, not shooter, because when you make them at 50, you know, 40, whatever it was, 40 some percent, you're a maker. You're not a shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, I want makers on my team. And <laughs> I still think they have some talent left that you haven't seen yet. And I can tell you right now, and we said it on the broadcast the other night, you're not going to want to run into Dayton or VCU in the, in the tournament in Brooklyn. You're just not. Yes. And, I, uh, I, I, I'm excited about this last stretch because – to, I mean, honestly, after that 0-2 start, I thought – I was thinking this could be a pillow fight team. What What is happening here? And the turnaround has been so remarkable. Now, having done all that, Rodney Ashby, in addition to all the other things he does, is involved with the name, image, and likeness uh, collective, the Havoc Collective here at VCU. It's a major project that he's doing. He's doing a fabulous job. And I just want – the other reason I wanted to have Rodney on here was to talk about that. So, Rodney, please, please enlighten everybody about what that is and how it works and why and why it's such a help to this our athletic department. Yeah, you know, our main goal is to um, make sure that we're competitive and we increase the student athlete experience um, for VCU student athletes. And we're starting men's with, with men's and women's basketball, although we've we've done some um, projects with the field hockey team and the soccer team and golf. Um, for the men's golf team. So we've been able to expand it a little bit. Um, when people contribute, if they want to contribute to a particular sport, then we, you know, we make sure that that money goes there. And I'll say this, we've given out about, by the end of this, this school year, we'll probably have given out somewhere between three, about $350,000. Um, and every single penny that has come in, every single penny has gone directly to student athlete. Not one penny has gone to any overhead or anything for this. They've it's every penny has gone to the student athlete. And the NIL space changes every day, even today. You know, there Tennessee is in court today. Yes. Fighting um, you know, for a situation where they feel like, how can you tell me when I can discuss um, name, image, and likeness opportunities? You know, so right now the collectives and NIL is new and we're still figuring out the landscape. 
But if we want to be competitive, and I'm not talking about be competitive in the A10, I'm talking about be competitive on the national landscape. It is a is a must. We have to have it. And we probably need to find a way between men's, women's, and starting to expand the sports to get to that seven-figure market sooner rather than later. And, um, you know, we're going to try to drive revenue in three different ways. Um, we got some great individual donors and um, we've got a, a, a great collective going where, um, you know, kind of a membership subscription type situation where mm -hmm. we have lots of people participating. You know, the second thing is I think we're going to be able to um, drive some events to be able to drive, you know, some revenue. And then ultimately, we're going to have to find a way to to run a business um, that this company, that this company, because that's what it is. The collective is a company that can sustain itself because we can't depend on individual donors year in and year out. They got the pump primed a little bit with some of our great donors. And, you know, the, the name, image and likeness is getting a life. I don't you know, for those of you who watch it on TV, you know, uh, Mike Corey talked about the huge event that we did with the SPCA, the biggest event ever for the um, dog kissing booth just the night before we beat dating Dayton. And, it's good for the program to be out in the community like that. And our mm -hmm. focus is to be community focused. Yes, we're doing some corporate things, but it, it, that's what we have to do. You know, we've got, um, you know, corporate deals with Honda, with um, VitaPure, with um, SPCA. I mean, with, we've probably, oh, Planet Fitness. Mm -hmm. So we've got, you know, six or seven corporate sponsors that we're working with right now. And that continues to grow with our partnership with Learfield. And so, it's a it's it's a must. And as an old school player that didn't get anything, it'd be easy for me to say these guys get enough, but that's just not the landscape that we're playing in. Yeah, it's just not. And so, anything that we can do to um, help these student athletes, if you if you're interested in participating, you can go to www.havocunltd.com and um, you can reach out to contact, and we'd be, we'd love to have a conversation with you and talk to you about how you can be get involved. Fantastic. That was already some shameless self-promotion, which is something we very much believe in here at Rams Rewind. Anything else that you want to promote social media-wise or anything else that you want to promote, go ahead, Rodney. This has been fantastic. No, I think we just got to support the student-athletes. I mean, that's where we are right now. There's one more thing I do want to talk about. We're trying to sell out the stew on March 2nd for the women's game to support her game, and um, we're getting close to being there. You can get $5 tickets right now. Call the ticket office. Come in there. It's going to be a live event. We're going to treat it just like a men's game. And these women, they're having an unbelievable season yeah. right now. We, we we really want to sell this out. So that would be the other thing that I try to that I would want to promote is like come out and support these women. They play hard, they practice hard, they give it, they give it their all each and every single day. And I'd love for them to play in front of a full house and break a um VCU uh women's women's basketball record for attendance. And so that's coming up March 2nd against George Mason, who's playing pretty well right now. So um game could mean something. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was just going to point this out for those of you who end up listening to this tomorrow, Wednesday, when this will when this will be put out in podcast land. Wednesday night, Richmond and VCU at the Siegel Center. Absolutely gigantic game for the women, for the VCU women in this Atlantic 10 race. You know, they haven't gotten much help from anybody in terms of trying to run down these teams in front of them and they got to do it their darn self. Well, this is the big opportunity for them, 6 p.m. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be Peacock for the folks who can't get out there. But get out there to the Seagull Center and support these women. we got to beat those spiders because we should have beat them the first time. 
so get out there and support them. I am looking forward to that game. I'm hoping I'll get done with work in time so I can you know watch it on my phone or my tablet and get home and all that kind of stuff. So I want to thank everybody for listening out there in podcast land. Uh, thank you, Rodney, for joining us. It's been fantastic. Uh, Friday night, Lord willing, and I get off work in time, we'll be live in the Good and Bad and the Ugly group with a post-game recap of what will hopefully be another VCU road win in the Atlantic 10 at St. Louis. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.